go ahead and turn to Matthew 6. Matthew chapter 6. And let's stand as we read the Word of God. We'll actually read the passage uh, and then begin to, uh, to walk through it this morning. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. All right, you may be seated. So the last couple of weeks, uh, what we've been looking at, I hope, I hope it's been helpful, it certainly has been uh, for me, is looking at the question of the fear of the Lord. What is the, the fear of the Lord? And one of the, reasons, one of the reasons we do that is that the fear of the Lord is simply uh, an important topic over a hundred times in your Bibles. You're going to see the Bible talk about the fear of the Lord as, a, as a, 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 a substantial part of what it means to be a believer. Part of the identifying nature of being a believer is to be someone who fears the Lord. So fearing the Lord is important uh, for our study on prayer and, and now on the Lord's prayer, specifically deliver us from evil, that part. The fear of the Lord is essential in our fight against the evil one. Well, how so? Well, we are commanded by Christ that when we pray, we are to ask to be delivered from evil, that we're in this spiritual war. We've got evil and the, the evil one coming against us. And if you remember, how are we supposed to fight in this spiritual war? In 2 Timothy, we're told no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. So part of our good fight is pleasing the Lord. So in asking that question, all right, if a good soldier pleases the one who enlisted them, if a good soldier fights by trying to please the Lord, what pleases the Lord and so we let the Lord tell us what pleases him instead of us all sitting around in like a circle and talking about our feelings and how God agrees with them or whatever. We said, what, what actually, what does the Lord say pleases him? And he tells us from Psalm 147, 11, he says, but the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him. So that's kind of our biblical chain to get us here today. God tells us to ask to be delivered from evil. Jesus says, when you pray, ask to be delivered from evil. Well, when we recognize that part of God answering that prayer, part of our deliverance from evil is God equipping us to fight against evil, to fight against it as good soldiers. And how do good soldiers fight? Well, good soldiers fear the Lord. So we've got to study the fear of the Lord if you want to fight well against evil. If you want to be delivered from evil, one of the tools that the Lord has given you is the fear of him. It's an absolutely essential part to do well in spiritual warfare is to please the Lord. So we please, we, we want to know the fear of the Lord, uh, the fear of the Lord because it's important. We know that one of the fear of the Lord because it's part of uh, the Lord's prayer here, asking to be delivered from evil. And, and lastly, we're looking at the fear of the Lord because despite all that, despite its importance, normally people can't tell you what the fear of the Lord is. We all know it's very important, but if we were to ask, uh, what it is, we have trouble defining it. You ask people, what is the fear of the Lord? And the answer you usually get is something normally along the lines of what it is not rather than what it is. If you say, what's the fear of the Lord? Normally the first answer is, well, it's not being afraid. Uh, but what is it? That's a different thing. Or if they do get an answer, it's not fear, it's reverence. You say, well, what is reverence? 
And they say, well, I've got to get back to you on that one. Uh, but so not knowing the difference, what is the fear of the Lord? Really uh, not sure how to define either of those or our definition just sort of breaks down. So here we've got this vitally important topic. No one knows what it is. No one knows what to do with it. And so we've tried to change that for the last two weeks. One of the great parts of this being an important subject mentioned a hundred times and more in Scripture is that we've got a lot of Scripture to let the Bible answer the question, what is the fear of the Lord? You know, God doesn't just say, hey, the fear of the Lord is very important. Then there's like nothing else in Scripture about it. And we're all like, what do you think the fear of the Lord is? I got no idea. And so we're all just sort of talking. Try- the Lord tells us what the fear of the Lord is. He gives us vast sort of definitions and guidelines to figure out what it is. And so that's what we've been doing. We've been taking all of this material from Scripture to try to let the Bible define what the fear of the Lord is. And after, you know, when you take all of those verses about the fear of the Lord, all those verses about fearing God, and you start to work them into a definition of what the fear of the Lord is, you start to see that all these talks about the fear of the Lord normally can be broken up into two categories. One is what the fear of the Lord is on the inside. Normally how we would think of definition. How it is that, what it is to, to fear the Lord uh, on the inside. Like sort of, sort of, you know, head and heart level. What is it to fear the Lord? But then the second group is what, it, what the fear of the Lord looks like in action. Uh, to fear the Lord is to blank, and then sort of fill in, fill in the blank there with a particular action. Or someone who does this does not fear the Lord. So the Bible sort of breaks it down into those two things. To fear the Lord is this sort of mental and heart attitude, and then the fear of the Lord is this action or non-action. And so we've been looking for the, for the first two weeks at the intellectual side, the, the, the inside part of that. Uh, and so we've worked up a fairly sufficient definition of what the fear of the, looks like, fear of the Lord looks like internally, that it is to be in awe of God and His glory. It is to see God as God, to see Him as holy, unlike any other person, any other God. It is to have faith in Him, to believe in Him, to hope in His steadfast love. So, so our simple definition, but I think it's biblically faithful, for what is the fear of the Lord? When someone asks, what is the fear of the Lord? Uh, you could say to have faith in God because you are in awe of his glory and holiness is to fear the Lord. So to fear the Lord is to have faith in God because you are in awe of his glory and holiness. That is combining all of those passages where the Lord says the fear of the Lord is this uh, and then describes sort of the internal actions going on, going on in someone's head and heart. Uh, when they fear the Lord. But again, the fear of the Lord is not just an emotional or even an intellectual position. Fear of the Lord is witnessed in our actions. And it's just simply true. Affection breeds action, right? You can't just say, I love you, but it's never going to come out in my life. But trust me, I love you. Uh, I may never do anything that shows that I love you, but trust me, sweetie, it's there, right? True affection will breed action. And if the Lord has our allegiance, if he has our fear, then if he has our awe, then he will, that awe will affect our actions. If we truly have faith in God, if we're truly in awe of his glory and his holiness, then your life will look like it. It will not just be an inside reality. The fear of the Lord will not just stay shut up in your bones. There will be certain things in your life certain actions that will be there. And there will be certain things that will not be in your life, as we're going to see, if you fear the Lord. Certain things that you will not allow in your life. Why? Because you fear the Lord. So let's start to look outward rather than inward. What actions does God say show us 
whether or not we fear the Lord. If you say you fear the Lord, you say you have faith in him because you're in awe of him. Oh, I am in awe of his glory. I am in awe of his holiness. And so I have faith in him. What does that look like in your life? Now, again, not just in your head, not just in your definitions. I can define the fear of the Lord, not just in our knowledge, but in our actions. What does the fear of the Lord look like? Not, not just what is it, what does it look like? And we're going to see some really simple things. And some of them will be very expected. Some of the things we're going to lay out, we'll go, well, yeah, obviously. Obviously, that's what it looks like to fear the Lord. And that's good, right? If I was like, the fear of the Lord is this, and it was some obscure thing, and you're like, I have never done that. Uh, you'd be like, I've never had the fear of the Lord because I've never done it. You're going to see it's very simple things, but things we want to make sure we have in our lives because if the fear of the Lord is seen in these actions, then these actions are going to be part of you fighting the spiritual battle against evil. You're going to learn that these normal actions are actually part of the fight against the evil one. And that's going to be good. Fighting spiritual warfare is not just going to be these grandiose things, these extraordinary things that you have to do. Sometimes the the biggest battles you can fight in in spiritual warfare are seen in the mundane, in the day-to-day activities, in the day-to-day faithfulness. It's not, you know, it's not just moments where you all of a sudden have to pull out this sword and charge into battle on a white steed. It's actually in the daily life. As Zachary talked about earlier with, with worship, which fits you know, perfectly what we're going to talk about uh, today, doing that uh, sort of every day. So let's start with what might be a, a super obvious one, but, but one that is repeated a lot in passages about the fear of the Lord, so we can't skip it. Uh, We don't want to assume it because, again, we want a full picture of what fearing the Lord looks like. And when the Lord talks about what it means to fear him, this action is often tied to the fear of the Lord. Uh, So uh, today, and I say today because originally there's going to be three things and now it's just one uh, because it's really good passages uh, in the Bible. It's hard to skip any of them. Uh, Today, we're going to see because we are in awe of God, because we are in awe of this holiness Uh, His glory. So because we fear the Lord, people who fear the Lord will praise the Lord. They will worship the Lord. People who fear the Lord will praise the Lord. Okay? People who, to fear the Lord, if you fear the Lord, you will praise the Lord. Those who fear the Lord will praise the Lord. Turn to Psalm 96. Psalm 96. We're actually going to read uh, verses 1 through 9 of this. Pretty good psalm here to sort of set us off. 96, beginning in verse 1, Psalm 96 says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless His name. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations. His marvelous works among all the peoples. Sing a song to the Lord. Sing a new song. Let everyone on earth do it. That's what it says. Why? Bless his name, tell of his salvation, declare his glory to the nations. Why do we do that? Look at verse 4. For, in other words, do all this previous stuff in verses 1 through 3, because what? For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. 
Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. So why do, we, why do we do the things? Why do we sing a new song to the Lord? So sing to the Lord, sing a new song to Him. Everyone do it. Everyone bless His name. Everyone tell His salvation. Declare His salvation. Declare His glory to the ends of the earth. Why? Because He is great. And greatly to be praised, He is to be feared. Because all the other gods are nothing. And they've done nothing. So give to the Lord His due. And what is His due? Give to the Lord His due of His glory and His strength worship him, tremble before him, all the earth. This, that always reminds me of like an, an Old Testament version of every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. Uh, tremble before him, all of the earth, all of the earth, worship the splendor of his holiness. So all the things we saw that were tied to the fear of the Lord, right? Uh, uh, being in awe of his glory, his holiness, all those things are in that psalm. You know, so, so he is to be feared. And what does that look like? He's to be greatly praised. He's to be greatly praised. He's to be worshipped. You sing it. So sing, sing, sing. Why? Because God should be feared. So part of the fear of the Lord, part of recognizing his glory, his holiness, being in awe of that is that we praise him. We worship him. Especially when us go back to, to verse 4. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all God. So we do all of these things for or because the Lord is great. And that greatness should result in praise. So he is great and greatly to be praised. And praise is synonymous here with fearing the Lord. He should be feared. He should be praised. He should be feared. Here we see that the fear of the Lord is tied to the action of praise. To fear God is to praise Him. If you fear Him, you will praise Him. And He's due that fear, and that means He's due that praise. Praise God. Fear Him above all the other gods. Praise God. And that's born born from a, a fear of God. One cannot fear the Lord and not praise the Lord. And that that makes sense. If if you remember, one of the things we learned in the fear of the Lord is seeing his holiness, seeing that there is no one like him, and that included no other gods like him. And when they recognized that, what did the people do? When the people recognized there's no other gods like him, what did they do? They feared him. They believed him. So the passage we looked at in Exodus 15, 11, who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome, there's that word for fear again, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders. Well, well, Psalm 96 is just talking about all the glorious deeds that he does. And how the gods of this world do nothing. Uh, Psalm 96 is just an explication of Exodus 15.11. This is taking Exodus 15.11 and turning it into a song. Part of fearing the Lord is realizing that there's no gods out there like him, no one else like him, no gods who can do his awesome, his fearsome, and glory-filled deeds. There's no one like him. And because of that, we praise him. When we realize that, when we realize there's no one like God, there's no one, no thing out there, no power as great as him, as holy as him, as glorious as him, then we fear him. And what action then follows that fear? We praise him. There is no one like you. We worship him. We declare his glory to the nations. We sing a new song and all the earth is supposed to join in with us. 
And we realize that the fear of the Lord becomes not just an inward recognition, but an outward reaction. In this case, praise and worship. When we have faith in God, because we're in awe of his glory and his holiness, we praise God. We worship God because we fear him. If you fear the Lord, if you see him as holy, you see him as glorious, you see there's no one else like him, what will you do? You see no one with such fearful deeds, what do you do? You cannot help but praise him. That inward recognition results in an outward reaction. And that praise, again, it's not just inward either. It's audible here. That's an important thing for us to recognize. What we're going to see in this is when it talks about this praise of God, it is not simply an inward praise. It's not just, I am on the inside, I am just praising the fire out of the Lord. You're just going to have to trust me. On the inside, I mean, I'm even, I'm kind of Pentecostal on the inside. Uh, You know, it's not, it's not just that. Because what does it say? In this case, when you praise the Lord, he says what? Declare this to the nations. So you're singing a new song and he's not even like, hey, church, you guys get together and sing a song, but don't tell anybody. The Lord is awesome. And you, you fear him, right? Yeah, I fear him. Let's sing. And Zach made a new song for us. It's called Psalm 96. It's going to be great one day. No, what does he say? Declare this to the nations. So sing to the Lord because he is great and sing to the nations his greatness. Our fear of the Lord, our recognition that there's no one else like him should cause us to praise the Lord and to do so audibly even to people who do not currently fear the Lord. To sing to the Lord, to declare the glory of the Lord to all the earth and to tell them of their obligation to join in the song. You're declaring the wonders of the Lord. You're saying, I'm singing about how wonderful the Lord is and you should be singing with me. In fact, that last verse, what does he say? Hey, worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. So what are you declaring to the nation? You're saying, hey, look, you should, I'm fearing the Lord. I fear the Lord because there's no one like him. There's no gods like him. And you may be worshiping these other gods. You may be worshiping whatever. And that is foolish. That is foolish because the gods of the, the, the nations, the gods of the people are worthless idols. So that, that, that's what's so funny. It says, declare, declare these things among the nations. And what are you declaring? That their gods are worthless. You are worshiping worthless idols. We need more songs that declare that. Uh, We need more songs that just declare how worthless the idols of the nations are. Songs that we intend to sing to the nations. But this praise is given. It's given in a way so that it goes out. It is out amongst the people of God. It's even out amongst those who are not the people of God. Saying the Lord should be feared by everyone. And if he's feared by you, then he will be praised by you. And so not only are his believers who fear the Lord praising him, they're telling other peoples, you should, you should fear the Lord. And what does that look like in, in verse 9? You should worship him. You should worship him. You should fear him too. So we declare to the nations and declare to them their obligation to join in. If you look, at, look at Psalm 99. No, Psalm 99, so just a couple, a couple of pages later where again we're going to see the fear of the Lord results in praise of the Lord and in praise of his glory and his holiness all the things that we saw are tied to the fear of the Lord the sort of the the things that bring us to to fear the Lord Psalm 99 beginning in verse 1 
The Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. So, I mean, if you go back, if you remember 96, when it says let the peoples tremble, it's not just talking about, it's not just talking about let Israel tremble. And it's going to be very clear when he sort of uh, does a, 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 a Hebrew parallelism here in the, the next part of verse 1. He sits enthroned upon the cherubim. So that's the paralleling. He reigns. What does that look like? He sits enthroned upon the cherubim. Uh, plug for Wednesday night. We're going to talk about this on Wednesday night because uh, we're at the mercy seat of the ark. And if you missed on the ark on Wednesday night, you have no idea where it is and you will not be able to uh, help us in our treasure hunt to find it. Uh, you, I mean, we talked about the Nazis in Ethiopia uh, and a copper treasure map. Anyway, all right. And you don't, now people there are like, oh yeah, we did. Uh, so verse two, the Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted over all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is he. The king in his might loves justice. You have established equity. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt the Lord our God. Worship at his footstool. Holy is he. So here again, in in verse 3, again, we see another one of those examples of fear. uh, The word for fear translated as, as awesome. Let them praise your great and fearful. And awesome is a fine translation. I kind of even like it better. Your great and awesome name. Again, the fear of the Lord results in a praise because his name is great and fearful. He he should be exalted. Why? Let them praise your fearful name. What do you do if if God is great and to be feared? What do you do with a God that great? What do you do with a God that holy? Well, you praise him. You exalt him. The Lord reigns. What should you do? You exalt the Lord. The Lord sits enthroned above the cherubim. What should you do? You praise him. You tremble. You fear him. And you give him praise. Because of all the things that invoke the fear of the Lord, because of his glory, because of his holiness, with all those things being true, what do we do? We worship him. We worship him because what? What does it say? What sort of refrain repeats multiple times in Psalm 99? Holy is he. Do all these things. Do all things. Why? Holy is he. And remember, it's his holiness that's going to cause us to fear him. That causes us to recognize how awesome he is. There's no one like him. There's no one else like God. So what do we do? We fear him. We are amazed by him. We stand in awe of him. There's no one like him. And so that's what we're doing internally. What are we doing externally? Here it says, so exalt him, praise him, lift him up. Worship him. Worship at his footstool, which again, we're going to talk about in Exodus 25. Listen to to Psalm 95. Go go back a couple uh, to, to Psalm 95. This is Psalm 95. Talk about our response. When we realize that God is God above all the other gods, when we realize that He is holy, there's no one else like Him, when we learn to, to fear Him and fear Him alone, what happens? Psalm 95, beginning verse 1. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. That sounds very familiar, doesn't it? It sounds like Psalm 96. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. So to, 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 to fear the Lord is to realize that he is holy, to realize that there are no gods like him. And when we realize that, what do we do? We sing. We make a joyful noise. When we come before him, we come before him with thanksgiving. 
We come with joyful noises. We come with songs of praise. Why? Because he is great. Because he is glorious. Because he is holy. Because he is fearful. Because he is the king above all the gods. The one who rules over all the gods. And so we praise him. And again, we praise him not just with inward recognition, but with an outward reaction to that inward recognition. True praise is a reaction born, and I say reaction versus action because it is almost, it is, it is almost done without even thinking about it. It is just naturally birthed out of there. True praise is a reaction that comes from a fear of the Lord. If you fear the Lord, you do not have to make yourself praise Him. If you fear the Lord, praise Him is what you will do. And true fear of the Lord will give birth to praise. When we fear the Lord, praise is never stillborn in our mouths. It cannot be. The idea of the, of the fear of the Lord resulting in outward praise is going to be really highlighted in the book of Psalms. And what book in the New Testament is like the book of Psalms in the New Testament? The book of Revelation, right? Which is basically, just kidding. Uh, the book of Revelation. It is. Look in Revelation. We're going to see the same thing. Revelation, over and over in Revelation, we're going to see the fear of the Lord will result in praise and worship of God. Turn to Revelation 14. Revelation 14. And he said, down in verse 7, down in verse 7. And he said with a loud voice, fear God and give him glory. Because the hour of his judgment has come and worship him. Who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. Fear God, give him glory, worship him. And, and, and I think that's, that's another good sort of observation to, to make. When we see God as glorious, we then do what? We give him glory. Now, again, we're not adding glory to him. That's not, it's not saying, it's not, this is not transactional. Where God's glorious, give him a little more glory. Why don't you give him a little more glory? What's it, what's it doing here? What we're doing is telling how glorious it is. When we see God's glory, we then give him glory. But what does it mean to give him glory? Again, it's, it's an outward action that we do. It is a reaction to his glory. We, we, so, so we see how glorious he is, and so we give him glory. We're telling him how glorious he is. So if you fear God, you will be in awe of his glory, and that will cause you to glorify the Lord. And as it says here, you will worship him. Worship him who made heaven and earth, who made the sea in the springs of water, who did all those things, who did all those things that the psalmist said, hey, you should worship God. Why? Because he's done fearful things. What has he done? He's, you should, he's done these fearful deeds that no other God's done. Well, here in Revelation, we see John, you know, writing here that, hey, in the same way, we, we give praise because look at what God has done. You worship him because he's done these fearful things. So fear him and give him glory. Fear him and worship him. Fear him and praise him as glorious. Go to Revelation 15, the next chapter. Revelation 15, verse 4. 
who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name. So see here again, we see if there is fear present, what else is also going to be present? If fear is present on the inside, glory is going to be present on the outside. Glorifying God will be present on the outside. Who will not fear, O Lord? So because they fear, what are they going to, they're going to glorify your name. For you alone are holy. Again, we're seeing these same ideas. Glory, holiness. All nations will come and worship you for your righteous acts have been revealed. Fear God and you will glorify him. Why? Well, the same things that we see form the fear of the Lord, his his holiness, his glory. And because of that, he says the nations are going to come and do what? The nations will come and worship. Why? Because they too have seen his righteous act. All we're seeing here in Revelation 15 is what we saw in, in, in uh, Psalm 96. In Psalm 96, where it says, hey, declare this to the nations. Tell the nations they should tremble before God because he's done these righteous acts. Well, now here we see in Revelation 15 that because, you know, Satan can no longer deceive the nations, what we have here is it, the, the nations seeing these mighty acts, seeing that their gods are indeed nothing, and what are they doing? They're coming and they're worshiping. They are fearing the Lord, and so they glorify his name. They've seen his, what, what Exodus referred to as his, his, his awesome, his fearful deeds. They're seeing that, and so what do they do? They worship. Of all the acts that it could say that the nations do, okay, they begin to fear the Lord. We've seen that fear of the Lord is placing faith in Him. So they have faith in the Lord. What's that look like? They then praise Him. That's the action that we see in these people. We don't just see an inward sort of, they fear you, and so He says, because they fear you, because they've seen your righteous deeds, they've seen your acts, what are they going to do? They will glorify you. They will worship you. They will praise you. Because again, if anyone fears the Lord, Jew, Gentile, babe, adult. The result of the fear of the Lord inwardly is the outward reaction of praising him. The fear of the Lord will lead to a praise of the Lord. Now we got to look at Revelation 19. Because Revelation 19, like this is where we wanted to get because Revelation 19 is awesome. Uh, and you're like, yeah, Revelation 19 is awesome. We're getting close to Revelation 20 and 21. And I know you just want to you just want to talk about the millennium, but we're not going to do that. We're just going to get to Revelation 19. But listen, I mean, this is good. This is good. This is so good. Revelation 19. And by good, I mean what we're going to read in the Bible, not what I'm about to say. Revelation 19, starting verse 5. And from the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who what? Fear him. Small and great. So all of God's servants, and who are his servants? Those who fear him. Those of you who fear the Lord, what do you do? You give him praise. Praise our God. You fear him, praise him. It doesn't matter who you are, small or great. Every single person who fears the Lord, if you fear the Lord, then give him praise. And what is their response? What is the response to verse 5? And this is where it gets neat. This is verses 6 through 8. Because what is the response? Look at verse 6. Then I heard, it's so good. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out. So the throne says, hey, praise God. And they're like, 
law. I mean, it's just a huge response. What do they say? Hallelujah, which as we know is hallelujah is just, I mean, it's, it's just not a translation. It's a, it's a hallel means to praise and Yah, Yahweh. So, so basically praise the Lord. So he says praise and what do they do? They say praise, praise Yahweh, praise the Lord is what they do. Hallelujah. Why? For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. So you got this praise that breaks forth is this loud praise which does us more. It shows us not only the vast number of those saved, those that the Lord is redeeming, but also the response of those who fear the Lord. Praise it. So God says, hey, praise the Lord. You fear God. If you fear the Lord, praise him. So they're basically being told what we just heard in sermon form. You who fear the Lord, praise him. And praise flows from their mouth like a river. It roars. It booms like thunder, it says. They cry out in praise because they fear the Lord. I mean, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't sort of trillions of people sitting there silently and humming like bees. You know, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, so everyone sing hallelujah. You know, it didn't say, and it was like the sound of many bees. Uh, just say we're all, all the saints were buzzing because they weren't sure if they could sing well. Uh, it just says they, like a, like a raucous noise, it came out. This is those who fear the Lord, not, not being silent, doing what those who fear the Lord have always done. Praising the God who is glorious and holy and who they have faith in. That's what the fear of the Lord looks like in the believer. If we fear God, we cannot help but praise him and do so loudly and raucously, freely and joyfully. Not just with our thoughts, but with our mouths, from our lips. The Bible is clear. Those who fear the Lord will Praise the Lord. What does the fear of the Lord look like? What does it look like if you have faith in God because you are in awe of His glory and holiness? What will that look like? What will that look like if, you, if it's not just internal? What's, what's going to be the outward reaction to that inward recognition? It will be a praise of the Lord. Do you fear the Lord? Well, that will be seen in your life a reaction to that fear will be that you praise him and you do so loudly and you do so even for the nations to hear. So let's, what can we do with this? What can we do with, with this idea and how do we sort of take it and, and apply it and, and, and analyze our lives? And we've said all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So now we're kind of obligated because the Lord hears that even if we mumble it. Uh, so what do we do now that the Lord has told us all that he has spoken, we will do. And so now we got to do all that he's spoken. It, one, one thing we can, we can take from this is it is impossible to fear the Lord and to do so either silently or secretively. And, and both of those are important. I want to warn about both those dangers because I, I see both of them at work 
uh, in the church and in, in people's lives and, and warned about in scripture. I see, I see them both there and I, and I see them often in, in lives and sometimes even presented as positive. So we really want to, we really want to crush this. First, we need to combat, combat the idea that there can be silent praise, right? Which is what we try to do is we try to set the bar as low as possible to, you know, we're like, so how low would it be for the camel to fit through the eye of the needle? And I go, one, that was made up. And two, uh, you don't want to do that. You don't want to try and set the bar just as low as you, as you can be and say, well, I'm praising the Lord, but I'm just doing it silently. Just doing it silently. But trust me, again, on the inside, I'm, I'm very much uh, praising him. If you praise the Lord, if you, if you fear the Lord and you're praising him, that praise must come out of your mouth. It might seem like that's obvious, but we got to say it. There's no, there's no exemption for sort of silent praise here. In the passages on praise and the passage on worship that we looked at, those that were born out of the fear of the Lord, we see examples in all of them of things that are very much audible, right? Singing, shouting, things that aren't just done silently. It's not just contemplative praise here. But what we don't see in any of those, we see all, again, we see all sorts of examples. Sing, shout, I mean, oh, you know, just, some are just declarations, some are songs. But what we don't see is silence. What we don't see is silence in any of it. We never see just solely inward, silent praise. A temptation we need to be aware of is to think, that yes, I fear the Lord and I'm praising him, and it's, but it's all done on the inside. That is an idea, that's an idea foreign to scripture. I mean, certainly on the inside, our inward parts do praise the Lord. But if that is true and our inward parts are praising the Lord, then our outward parts will follow. So just as our outward praise Singing and shouting without inward praise would not be true praise, right? Doing it on the outside, but on the inside, don't really fear him. But you're singing the songs really loud. That wouldn't be true praise. It's just the outward. It's not the inward. In the same way, so inward praise without outward praise is not true praise. None of this praise that we saw in any of these passages, these are all the passages that talk about the fear of the Lord resulting in praise in none of them. Do we see, trust me, it's in my heart. Or I would, you know, sing to the Lord a new song, except those of you who can't sing very well, and then you are exempt, right? Uh, Then you just sort of hum to the Lord a new song or contemplate the song to the Lord, but do it just really boisterously in your head. That is not something that we see. And I don't know if you know this, but I'm sure not every Israelite in the time of the Psalms had an amazing voice. I don't know if they all did, you know. And yet there's no exemption for, unless all of the Israelites, you know, were all sons of Asaph and we didn't know about it. Unless all the Israelites, these great singers, it just says, hey, this is what you do. And if you fear the Lord, your answer is going to be to the Lord commanding you from the throne, praise the Lord if you fear him. Your answer will be yes, not but not well or I would but your answer should be just as joyous and raucous as we saw the people answer in Psalm 19 if you fear the Lord say this if you fear the Lord then the volume of your praise is equal to the value of your God if you want to think about the fear of the Lord 
The volume of your praise is equal to the value of your God. And that'd be a good rubric for how loudly you should sing. Just sing as loud as your God is great. Let that be your rubric. How loud do I need to sing? Well, just let it match how great your God is. If God is, is, if your God's not very great, then just match it. Just have it a little quiet. But if your God is the God who made the nations, if your God is the one who saved you, if your God is the same God as Revelation 19, then do what they did. Let your voice come out like the sound of roaring waters. Let it come out like a peal of thunder. Because your God is that amazing. Let the first words on your lips be aloud, hallelujah. And that's what we saw. That's what we saw in Revelation 19. You who fear the Lord, praise him. And the response of the people to their God saying, praise the Lord. If you fear him, small and great, praise the Lord. Their response is this loud, raucous noise of praise. Can you imagine anybody in that crowd in Revelation 19 mumbling, hallelujah. Can you imagine anybody, anybody in that entire crowd? I mean, you've got, you've got a, a, a people so vast, it cannot be numbered. Can you think of any of them in that crowd with their hands in their pockets going, you know, not just mouthing the words. No, you can't, you cannot imagine that. We can't. So why do we think that our praise can somehow be muted praise and that be just as glorious to the Lord? If this is, if Revelation 19 were describing the church today, it would say, and the sound of them was like the sound of many mumblings. If you fear the Lord, your praise should be as loud as your God is great. Make sure that the volume of your praise equals the value of your God. That can be a good sort of test for us because I guarantee you, as you're thinking about how God your greatest, if you set that sort of standard for yourself, it'll be really hard to be quiet. It'll be really hard to be quiet because you'll say, give him glory and you'll be thinking, is this as much glory as he deserves? How much glory and how loudly should it pour out of my mouth? Set your value, not on some standard you have, not saying sing as loud as the person next to you, match them or sing, sing louder than so-and-so. What I'm saying is, do what, what it seems happens in the scripture. See how great your God is and let the praise flow out of your mouth as you realize how great your God is. The volume of your praise equal to the value of your God. Good standard to set. The other danger I see is the danger, uh, not of just of silent praise, but of secret praise. And, and what I mean by this is slightly different. If you fear the Lord, then his, then his praise comes out of your mouth. And if it comes out of your mouth, it comes out of your mouth in the presence of others. Right? Because you can say, oh, I do. Like you put me in a car and you put the radio on or you put me in the shower and you guarantee no one is home. Uh, I am singing as loud as can be. But you put someone else in there and it's like, sorry, I'm just not much of a singer. Uh, and it's like, well, you are when no one else is around. And I don't want you saying, well, I really praise the Lord, but I do it. I'm just not comfortable doing it in front of others. If you fear the Lord, then his praise must come out of your mouth and it must come out of your mouth in the presence of others. Again, maybe you sing, but just not when other people are around. What, what did we see from our example? Again, let's go back to the text. What did we see from our examples of praise commanded by the Lord? They praised him where? They praised him in the congregation of the people. 
They praised him even in the presence of the nations who were presently worshiping other worthless gods. That didn't quiet them down. They praised him then. Praised him in the congregation. Praised him in the nations. But the praise was always voiced. And it was always voiced with others. Men. This chiefly has to do with us. We'll, we'll, we'll begin here. Men. The praise of God needs to come out of our mouth in the homes. And I don't, again, the praise of the Lord is not just singing. It is not just singing. I don't mean you just need to be singing all the time. Don't need to turn your life into a musical. Not every house can be the Gore household, right? Uh, where Papa's just randomly doing musicals. No, just kidding. Uh, kind of. Um, but it's not, I'm not saying that. But what needs to come out of your mouth at all times is the praise of the Lord. You need to be talking about God. I mean, when you think back, Deuteronomy 6, Deuteronomy 8, when you're sitting, when they're lying down, when you're walking about all the time, it should be constantly, you should be constantly talking about how great God is. Not comfortable singing? Fine. You don't have to sing all day long like a lark, all the time, all day long. But you should be praising God at all times. There should be hallelujahs and praise for God and what he's done at all times from your mouth. Your, your home needs to hear that. Now, the reason I start with men is men, you're going to lead this praise in your home. If you have a home where dad is silent about praising the Lord, then do not expect for the rest of the home to be reaping this great harvest of praise to the Lord. If dad is salting the field, then do not expect great growth. So fathers, you lead the way. You don't salt the field, you fertilize it. You fertilize that praise. You constantly be setting the example. So men, you've got to lead in one of the greatest tactics in spiritual warfare against God's people that Satan has ever used is when he mutes the mouth of men. And this is the heinousness of it, man. This is where he gets it. He mutes the mouths of men and then convinces them that being mute is manly. That, that's when I go, man, he has gotten into the culture, right? He's turned every one of us into a bunch of Michaels and everyone else that they're praising God is a bunch of Davids. Like he's done, he's done this and, and he's, conv- he's muted us as men and then told us that being mute is the manly thing. I mean, what a tactic. What a thing to do. To quiet men, to mute their mouths in song, to mute their mouths in home. There is no place for stoicism in service of the Lord. I mean, he was a pagan, right? That's a pagan thought anyway. There's no place for that. A muted mouth is not a manly mouth. A a manly mouth is one that is filled, not with mumblings, but with praise of the Lord. That's what your home needs. Your home needs you to be loud about how great God is. To be constantly talking about Him. Be constantly praising Him. Because again, if you, want, if you want your family, you want your wife and your kids to see the value of, their, of, the, of, of your God, they're going to see it in the volume of your praise. If you talk about God very little, they're going to think that God means very little to you. If you talk about God a lot, they're going to think that, that, that God means a lot to daddy. And that's important. That's the way the world works. Your wife needs to, to hear you. She needs to hear your voice. She needs your voice of praise of God to be the sound of many waters. She needs your voice because your voice is a cry of war. She needs to hear that sound of a husband who loves the king. 
whom she's sitting under, her covering, her protection, the one watching over, she needs to know you love the king and she shouldn't have to just intuit it because you wake up on Sunday and drive to church. What else do you want me to do? She needs to hear it all the time. She needs to hear the, the value of your God seen in the volume of your praise. Husbands, wife, your kids need to hear you both. This isn't just something that the husband does. It's something that the husband and the wife do. You read the book of Proverbs, you're going to see that, uh, that, that daddy and mama were involved in teaching about praise. You're going to see that take the instructions of both the father and the mother that praise is constantly on the lips of both. And parents, your kids need to hear you. They need to hear a mom and dad who praise the Lord and who do so loudly. Because here's the truth. Your kids, I don't know if you know this. I don't know if you paid attention to the month of June. Your kids live in a loud world. The world doesn't have a problem being loud. Why does the world not have a problem being loud? Because the world loves their stuff. They love it. And they love it so much they can't help talking about it and making you listen, right? Uh, They love it so much they'll be like, let me tell you about it and shut up and listen to me tell you about it. They live in a loud world. That your kids are growing up in a world that is loud. A world that is loud because they have a lot of value in their gods. How can you be silent? That's the question they'll ask. How can the world be so loud and mom and dad be so quiet? They live in a world that is loud and proud about everything. A world that is loud about their sexual perversions. A world that is loud about materialism. A world that is loud about their gods. They have to wonder, why are you so quiet? Kids, your parents need to hear you praise the Lord from your own lips. They don't need to hear you. They don't need you just to be a bunch of buckets sucking in praise. They need you to be so overflowing with the things that you've learned about your God that you cannot help but praise him. Praise needs to come from your lips as well. You don't just sort of sit back and listen to how great God is and think, well, one day when I'm a husband or one day when I'm a mom or one day when I'm a dad, then I'll start praising God to my kids. Praise God now. You guys be talking about how great your God is. And your parent, your parents need to hear that. Your parents need to hear you praise God. Your parents need to hear you sing They need it. In fact, you don't know this, but they crave it. They crave it. Because they are training you to fear the Lord. And when His praise spills from from your mouth, then what will they know? They will know that you fear the Lord because that inward recognition has resulted in an outward reaction. They can't see what's going on in the inside. They can hope, they can pray, they can plant, they can pray, they can do all this stuff, they can water all they want. But, But how will they know? How will they know you fear the Lord? When what's going on on the inside spills out onto the outside. You want to bless your parents? Bless your parents by blessing your God. Praise your God. Your home needs you to praise the Lord. Your home doesn't need just parents who are being loudly praising of the Lord and you're just kind of sitting there. Right? Mm, yes, yes. I'm being obedient. Yes, I'll do it. Tell me. You want me to pray now? I'll pray now. I'll read now. They need you to spring forth and praise. So, so 
in terms of fearing the Lord, we need households that fear the Lord. If you, and if you fear the Lord, not only will that thing be true, if you fear the Lord, then you'll talk about him before the nations. That was one of the things that I loved about uh, Psalm 96 uh, and Psalm 95, Psalm 99 too. Uh, if you fear the Lord, you will talk about him before the nations and you will tell them their obligation to fear and praise him too. People always talk about different tools of evangelism. I think you want to know the single most important tool for evangelism, the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. If you are in awe of God and in awe of His glory and His holiness, if your faith is in His steadfast love, then you would tell the world about Him. At least that seems to be the expectation of the Bible. It seems to be the expectation of the passages that we read. And the command of the passage that we're, you would tell the pagans to quit worshiping their false gods or to quit worshiping themselves. You would tell them that what they're doing is serving worthless things when they could serve the King of Kings and God of gods. You want to be better at evangelism? You want your neighborhood to be filled with the fear of the Lord? You want your neighbor's households to be feared, filled because you want God to be glorified in every home because every square inch is His and they have an obligation to worship, to tremble and bow the knee before God and they need to know that and it is your obligation to tell them that? You want that to happen? You want to be better at doing that? Ask, pray for God to grow your fear of Him. Because if He grows your fear of Him, if He makes you stand more in awe of Him, more in awe of His glory and holiness, if He grows your faith in Him, then that will also grow your praise of Him. Your praise not just in your home, but your praise intentionally to the nations. The fear of the Lord results in public praise of God and public worship. Again, this doesn't mean you can't praise Him when you're alone, but it does mean you cannot praise Him only when you are alone. Those who fear the Lord will praise the Lord. Let's pray. We said to take time and ask the Lord to grow our fear of Him. There's, there's, no, there's no danger in asking God to grow your fear of Him. Asking God to grow your, that you would stand even more in awe of Him, that you would understand more His glory and His holiness. So ask God to grow His, his fear or your fear of Him. Help, help me to fear you more. Help me to be in awe of you even more, God. And ask that that fear would burst forth from your heart out of your mouth. That you would be a person who is praising the Lord at all times. The fear of the Lord results in a praise of Him. That you'd be someone who praises Him more and more. That you would be like those in Revelation 19. That your voice would be like the voice of many waters. That it would be like peals of thunder. Ask that the volume of your praise would match the value of who He is. That you would just be as loud as he deserves you to be. You say, Father, help me to be as loud as you deserve and help me to help me to understand how much you deserve. Ask him to give you the heart to declare his glory to the nations, including your neighbors. 
to not just sit and watch them worship their false gods and just be glad you're giving praise to the Lord, but to know that true praise of God cannot be silent when other gods are praised. It cannot help but speak out and say, I am singing to the Lord, I am praising the Lord, and you should praise Him too. You should fear Him too. Father, we come to you today, and God, we ask, we ask, Father, that you would help us to fear you even more. Just God, give us even more insight into, into your holiness, your glory, so that our faith might grow, so we believe even more, to hope even more in your steadfast love, that, Father, all those things would expand, because we know when those expand, Father, our, our praise of you will expand. When, when uh, the, the picture of how great you are grows, so, Father, will, will our praise of you grow. And so, Father, you've shown us that if we fear you, what's going to be seen in our lives is praise of you. Father, may we look at our lives and say, do I praise you? Do I praise you? It, not, not even just do I praise you, I praise you to the level you deserve. Do I praise you in a way that shows that I think you are awesome? That, that I'm in awe of your glory and your holiness. That I have faith in you and in you alone. Do we see that, Father? Show us those things and use it to, to boil up in us even greater. Praise me. May even the, the next song that we sing, may, may they even be something that we are, that we are singing as, as loudly and boldly as we can. Not because we just want to be loud, but because we want, we want to give you what you deserve. We want to glorify you and we know how much glory, how much glory you have and how much glory you deserve. And we want to make sure we do our best to match that level of glory that you deserve. We'd be showing you the, the value we have in you and what you've done in us. That we're just not here, but we're here to, to praise you. And we want to, we want to be the, the sound of the, the roaring waters of the, of the rumbling of thunder. We want that to be us. Because we want to be the same as in Revelation 19, because you're certainly the same as in Revelation 19. You are that same God, and we are the people, small or great. And so we have the obligation, if we fear you, to praise you, and to do so with joy. To not have to have a hollow you ripped from our lips, but to lay it down, lay it out, joyfully, thankfully, voluntarily, Father, because of who you are. Please, Father, work this in us. And may the nations hear, and may they tremble. May they fear you. Until all of the earth is filled with your glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.